Welcome to Hitachi Solutions Podcast. Join us as we talk with our skilled professionals and experts, exploring how customers like you are delivering business outcomes, tackling business challenges, and accelerating their business initiatives, leveraging Microsoft applications and technologies. Welcome to Exchanges, a podcast by Hitachi Solutions. I'm Brad Kuntz, your host. Today's topic, what's hiding in your data? So we've got a great group of data folks today to talk about this topic. We're going to talk about some great customer examples about what's hiding in your data. Uh, So first of all, let's do a couple of introductions. Uh, Michael, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much. I appreciate it, Brad. How's it going? Doing great, doing great. And t- tell everybody a little bit about what you about what you do. Sure, I'm a senior data scientist at Hitachi Solutions. Um, basically, what that means is for my job, I build pipelines to train artificial intelligence models using client data, uh, and then I build the infrastructure required to deploy, maintain, and monitor these models. Great, thanks, Michael. Welcome, Don Scott. Good to see you. Thanks for joining the podcast today. Thanks for the invite, Brad. So my role in the organization is to focus on how we can drive more value for our customers in the data space, specifically by building better tools and products for us to all mutually use. Uh, so at the end of the day, really in the deep into this space and trying to figure out how we can drive more in this tight labor market with the, with the teams and talent we have. Awesome. Thanks, Don. Appreciate it. And last but certainly not least, Sean, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Brad. Everybody, uh, Sean Forgatch, really what I help here and help our clients with is really extracting and identifying business value from data and AI. Um, and specifically what that means is really understanding how it can either drive revenue, doing things like cross-selling and upselling uh, services and products to your customers, growing customer base, um, as well as reducing cost in regards to, uh, to your data and analytics operations, your overall business, and reducing risk. Um, and we do that by leveraging aspects of people, process, technology, and data, and creating solutions around those elements in order to drive business. So thanks for having me. Awesome. Thanks, Sean. Appreciate it. And just full full disclosure, we just started this podcast here, and uh, Sean joined the meeting and was surprised that uh, that we were having a podcast. So we're excited to have Sean. It's going to be uh, uh, it's going to be very top of mind. Uh, so we're having looking forward to a great conversation. So, real quick, so food for thought. So McKinsey Research found out that companies are using less than twenty percent of their data to drive analytics, and you can only wonder about the other 80% of the data and the kind of insights that might be hidden and they probably didn't even know that it exists. I, I, I often, when we talk to customers, one of the things that we type, you know, kind of say here internally is that they don't know yet what they don't know yet. So, so the question is, what can we do uh, to understand what that data is and how do we drive intelligence from that. So so firstly, uh, Michael, I want to ask you a question first. So do you think most business leaders are even aware of the types of insights that can be found in their data? And, and then what are some of the types of analytics that can be used to improve 
customer experience and overall operations? So to answer that first question, I would I would have to say no. I would say that a lot of business leaders, uh, I think they're aware that there are insights that they could draw from their data, but they have they don't know what they don't know. And I think that that's that's a challenge that a lot of leaders today are facing, uh, particularly when you look at the terabytes or petabytes that they might have in their data warehouse solutions today. Um, so in terms of your second question, the types of analytics, um, there's a lot of different insights and in analytic solutions that we use today with our clients. Um, uh, and a lot of that revolves around some of the new stuff that's coming out. For example, uh, today, as we as we advance in technology, there's a lot more IoT devices that are out there that are able to send data back to your data solutions in real time. Now, part of this is causing this massive buildup of data in a warehouse solution, which you don't know what to do with, but that's an opportunity, right? There's technology out there uh, uh, that exists in cloud solutions today in Azure that we're taking advantage of with our clients that allow you to start uh, extracting information from that real-time streaming information, uh, data as it's coming in. And allows you to do things like, for example, predictive uh, uh, forecasting. So being able to identify, for example, in a, in a warehouse, is, is a machine going to fail? What part of that machine may fail reading that sensor data? Uh, and getting an estimate on when you might need to do some sort of maintenance. We call these pr solutions predictive maintenance solutions. Um, another one would be, for example, in customer um, representative centers, right? Mm -hmm. When you are having a massive call center and, and lots of customers are calling in for help uh, with, with field service, we're able to build solutions that are able to assist these customer service representatives in something that we like to call predictive field service in order to, to estimate what kind of issues these customers may actually be having, kind of like symptom prediction uh, uh, based off of a description of the problem that the customers are facing. That's just to name a few. Yeah, no, that's great. That's a lot. So, Sean, what are your thoughts there? Yeah, so I think I agree with um, Michael here. You know, businesses don't often know what they don't know, right? But what 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 we have learned through working with various stakeholders and, and various clients across different industries, um, what the businesses do know is they, they do know the problems that they face, right? And a lot of times they have the opportunities and they, they have the ideas in their mind, but they don't always, they, they're not always up to speed with some of the use cases and applications that data and AI can contribute to those problems. Um, and that's one of the areas that we we help businesses with is really you know and it's it's an art but kind of taking them through that process of understanding in their own language um and in their own within their own perspective you know the problems that they they face the uh, and the opportunities that they have and we can help apply the use cases to them and show what that ROI is um that's that's I think that's typically I think one of the most important principles of any you know the beginning of any data and AI initiative is you have to make it relevant to the business. Um, you, know, you know a lot of this stuff is it's very technical in nature um, and it's hard to understand. And so I, I guess that's just really why it's so important to really make it clear and comprehensible to uh, to your customers, whether they be internal or external. So. So, Sean, just to follow up on that, so when you're talking to customers, 
how often do they how often do they know what their data needs are versus how often is it them just coming to you and say we have data we know we're not using 80% of it uh effectively can you help us is it is it them knowing what the problem is and then helping guide you know guiding them to solve the problem or is it more hey we recognize that that we might have an issue here can you kind of help us find the problem and then help us find the solution it's definitely it's definitely aspects of both I would say from the past few years and, uh, you know, the past five years, really, with the massive migration to the cloud, a lot of clients just wanted to replatform their architectures and do bottom-up approaches to data and AI, kind of take notions of build it and they will come. And I think what client, uh, you know, companies have learned over the years is we're not really doing anything other than reporting still. There's still all of this data sitting out there. Um, and we're still not taking a tr the true advantage of the cloud. We're still not taking true advantage of artificial intelligence and machine learning to have a more positive impact on our business. We look at maturity for data and AI uh, from the lens of you need to first have the basis of being able to monitor your business, right? Monitor order to cash, monitor those core business processes across your organization. Um, and in order to do that first step, you you need reporting, you need data quality, you need master data, you need those capabilities in order to drive sound quality data to your to support your and enable your business cases. But however, that is just kind of level one of transformation. As you go up that transformation, ladder, if you will, the value and the return on investment continues to climb as you get into things like Michael mentioned around predictive maintenance and so forth, right? Um, so I think it's a lot of times what happens is clients must pivot from a bottoms-up approach to a top-down approach and refocus their priorities and align those priorities with the business strategy and objectives at hand in order to realize the most results. And I'll, and I'll kind of wrap up that that point of view with this uh, uh, this context. But um, if you're looking at all of your data, you're you're still only going to get the most value out of the 20% of it, right? That that rule still applies. Mm -hmm. It's a matter of finding the the use cases that that 20% of the data is is truly going to enable. Yeah, no, that's a great that's a great point, Sean. Um, so, so Don, a, a question a question for you, and just just kind of expanding on that. What are the key considerations when taking the first steps of modernizing a customer's data approach? Yeah, I I think we really to answer that question you need to build on what Sean just said. To execute a modern data transformation. We need to do more than collect data, munge it, make it high quality, and push it out to the folks, right? We really have to focus on how is this going to be consumed? How is the business going to make money or save money based on this investment in IT technology? When you start there, when you start at business value, not only can you uh, fund these initiatives at a level that's appropriate given the scale often to go into a legacy business or an existing business and and uh, uh, 
collect all of this information, but you also identify the most efficient pathway to do so. Um, when executing these data projects, a lot of them become science experiments. Mm -hmm. So the number one thing that you can do is you can start by assessing where is the business value. And, you know, this is a little bit of guesswork. Uh, sometimes it's looking at where is the business spending uh, time and money. And I think when we talk about specific examples of how we've you know, developed for customers, some of this will be sussed out. But, you know, starting at where is the pain, where is where is the uh, opportunity um taking that quick pause for one or two weeks at the beginning of of a project really helps you set the path forward because the next thing that you do when you're executing a large data program is you think about the phasing you you know in the old world uh, folks would do these big waterfall data monolithic data warehouses that doesn't work right customers now expect and when i say customers i mean internal business users expect to see progress. They want to see progress after three to six weeks, in some cases, substantial progress. So in order to do that, you know, out of the initial business value to say, okay, well, how do I face this? What data sources am I going to bring in to model, to munch, to produce something that's high quality from an information perspective? And then how, and this is critical, am I going to put that in front of a business user? Because just having information doesn't realize any of that value for the organization. So if I have a machine learning pipeline that's producing this great prediction, if my uh, finance team ignores the prediction, then I haven't really done anything net mm -hmm. net for that organization. So part of this is phasing it so you're showing progress. The next piece is training and organizational change management. It's who is using this. How do we get that person that's used to working off of pen and paper for a production report out of a, a warehouse uh, or is used to working on Excel more likely to shift towards using a product like Power BI or, or a small application to input and output their uh, production? Um, that shift, once it's done, really completes the cycle and allows customers to start climbing the, this maturity curve. But you really need each of those three elements, business value, phasing, improving yourself, and training in organizational change management to, to achieve the full cycle of value. And when you do that, you can execute in a programmatic way. You can go and you can make accounting successful. You can go and make finance successful. You can go and make uh, uh, warehouse, uh, warehousing successful. Um, so that's generally the pattern and approach that we use with customers. And we've been building our products and services around that pattern. Yeah, that's great, Don. I, I mean, I, I really like the way that you described that three kind of step process, right? D business value and the pain and opportunity, how to phase to demonstrate the value, and then the, the, the piece on the end about training and OCM. Because, you know, if you haven't, if you haven't, um been very active in teaching the people the end users uh about how they're going to utilize uh you know the kind of the next phase 
uh, of this process, it's not going to be any good because it's just going to be an executive idea and it's not going to get actually done. So, so that's fantastic. So I want to skip ahead a little bit because I think, Don, that's a great segue about how we've been successful with customers with that three-step process. So I want to ask a little bit about, can you share some of the customer stories uh, and keep in mind, we have to kind of keep these anonymous for for NDA because there's we work with a lot of different customers and, and we are definitely going to respect that. But can you keep in mind uh, and, and help us remember some of these customer stories where we've had success using uh, the formula that you described? Michael, if you want to you want to start there, because I know uh, you had mentioned a couple of those beforehand. Sure, sure. So I, I first want to touch upon that. Uh that predictive field service uh, that I mentioned before. This is a, a solution that we uh, were delivering to a customer, a large manufacturing company. Um, and and essentially their, their customer service centers deal with like thousands of calls every day about uh, customer uh, field service issues. So, you know, typically when you go through the field service process, a customer calls you up, says there's something wrong with the machine. Uh, they give a, a brief description of what this problem is, and then it's up to the customer service representative who may or may not have the training that they need to interpret what the actual issue is on the machine uh, for that machine to get fixed. Um, this is a, a problem uh, in in a lot of different companies, not just in manufacturing. And in the AI space, we can refer to this as a natural language processing uh, a problem. So it's about words, it's about text, it's about language and interpreting what it means. Now, artificial intelligence models, especially now more than ever, if you're if you're paying attention to the space of, of GPT, uh, uh, especially three and, and now four maybe coming out as, as soon as this month, um, lots of exciting uh, research has been done with natural language processing models. And these models are able to take this information this language, this description from the customer and use the customer's data, the client's data, sorry, to to interpret that meaning, the actual issue and classify. Here's what is wrong with this machine in terms of how certain or confident these models actually are. This has actually been demonstrated uh, to our clients to be saving them uh, six, seven figures uh, a year uh, in in costs and, and expenses because of two different areas. Number one, it saves the customer service representative a lot of time and decision-making uh, processing power that they have to think about. And number two, it saves uh, the company a lot of money because they're not shipping the wrong parts out to this customer and out to this service technician who now has to go out and visit this customer and fix the machine. So that's just like one example of, of where we're able to utilize customer data to power these really powerful AI models in an application that's utilized by everyday business users. Yeah, Michael, I think that's a great point because you really, those two examples that you gave, you're talking about the business value, right? I mean, that's 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 number one, right? We're talking about the business value. And you're also talking about these large language models and how does this work for the enterprise? Because I think we've all uh, had fun since ChatGPT's been out and asking it to do some really fun things. Uh, but uh, at the end of the day, if you can't tap into the enterprise piece of that data, the, the the value to the business doesn't get much further than being able to write an essay for high school, right? That's that's should should be illegal for kids. Just just saying. Uh, <laughs> but right. but but until you can to, to your point, so you can connect that to the 
to the to the enterprise data, it's 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 less valuable. And and uh, um, you know, I know in this podcast we've had a couple of conversations in the last couple of weeks about. Uh, something that we've built at Hitachi Solutions called Engage for Conversation that does just that. So it's able to take that uh, that language models and apply it to enterprise software for the business value of the customer, right? And so some of the some of the examples that you just gave, where you're feeding uh, the um, the increased efficiency within a call center or the increased efficiency of the field technician to be able to deliver what they need to deliver uh, in in uh, in quicker time and for 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 more value. So I think that's I think that's great. And that's very consistent with the approach that we're talking about here. Don, uh, what what are your what are your stories there around around customer success using this formula? Yeah, I just wanted to build on something that, that Michael said, and, and it's, you know, when we use advanced tools like machine learning to provide insights, often the answers are not intuitive. And that's really how these models produce um, irregularly large returns. You know, one of the examples Michael gave was, uh, you know, predictive field service resolution. And one of the things that we learned when we built this product was that there's actually efficient waste uh, that in the modern uh, in our modern environment, it's a lot cheaper to send uh, products and parts out to customers than it is to do reverse logistics. So there's an efficient median medium where we send excessive uh, parts uh, because we're not exactly sure which part is going to be needed. Um, but we know that sending a, a, a technician out is really expensive. So there's there's like these little nuggets that you find when you execute these projects where businesses may have been setting scorecards for managers that are just wrong. They haven't actually optimized in their own scorecards the right metrics to drive things like profitability, which is what everyone's after. And it's when you hit those little nuggets of gold or those streaks of gold that it really opens people's eyes and it allows us to expand uh, to other areas of business where, hey, maybe we've been thinking about this problem wrong. And that's yet another reason why you have to start really at business value. What are we trying to do for the business? We're trying to optimize profit because that's going to be a different answer than if we're trying to minimize CO or uh, uh, minimize waste. They, they may be different answers depending on what we're trying to optimize for. I mean, it, it, in a way, it almost seems in, incredible because this technology really has only come about in the last decade or so. Um, but you can take it from me. I, I've been researching AI for, for seven years now. I'm a recovering academic, as I like to call <laughs> myself. Um, and this stuff is not, it, it's not just theory in, in the schoolhouse anymore. I mean, this stuff is being utilized now and it can get deployed today to drive that business value. And that's what makes it really exciting for our customers. I wanna I wanna really highlight this for maybe we, we've been talking about it entire this entire conversation, but if you go look at any, you know, any technology vendor or um or so forth, everyone talks about business value, right? Everyone talks about the business value in a very generic way that technology can bring around data and AI. But but it's it's I think it's rare that you see the specific 
ROI in regards to what Michael said in our six, seven figure returns for our use cases. And most importantly, integrating into that into your that that data program, integrating it into your data program. Um, and so when we talk about strategic success for data and AI programs these days, a lot of clients and customers that we work with, they're not currently measuring or know how to measure the ROI of the, the investments that they put into their data analytics program. Um, and it gets into, you know, what are best practices for taking on a data-driven transformation journey? And, and one of the most, or I'd say two of the most important ones are ensuring that that roadmap and use cases identify are going to return figures like Michael mentioned continuously. And that roadmap is not filled with technology projects, right? Ensure that the, the, the next couple of years of work or six months or whatever that, that increment is, is going to have true business impact and measure every use case, every project that you do and, and show that to your business, show that you're driving success, show that you're driving value. And what happens in return is the program continues to receive more funding um, to make more parts of the business data driven. So um, I think it's just, it's it's when we, when we talk about it, it's not just, you know, it's not a marketing thing, it's a real, it's a real uh, business value impact that we can have with data and AI. Yeah, Sean, that's a great, I think that's a great wrap up here because um, I, I think the the idea of business value as a real thing, sometimes you say a word over and over again um, in kind of the world that we live in and it can be, uh, it it can, for, for, for some folks it can kind of lose its meaning, but I think that you make a really, really good point to say, that that is that that business value is the thing. So, uh, just real quick, I want to just a couple of uh, my top three takeaways. I think from this, uh, Don nailed it early on to say, you know, what is what is kind of the process, uh, the best practice process here, and it, it, it's really a three part plan, right? Identify what that what that pain, what the opportunity, what the business value is. Number one, number two is that when you take this on, you phase. So that every during every phase, you understand what the stage gates are and you demonstrate the value that you're creating in each phase. And then the third one is really going to be about organizational change management and training. And that's something that we uh, live every day, regardless of what type of uh, what, what type of digital transformation project that we're uh, going about with our with our customers. So thank you so much to Michael, Don and Sean. Appreciate your time today. And thank you to our listeners. Please subscribe to Exchanges with Hitachi Solutions wherever you get your favorite podcast. You can find our entire episode library on our website at global.hitachi-solutions.com. Thanks. Have a great day. We are Hitachi Solutions, a global team of innovators who support our customers' data and business system modernization initiatives.